Well, I'd like to welcome you all to the to the Department of Defense Bloggers Roundtable for Tuesday, November 26, 2013. My name is again is William Selby. I'm with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be moderating the call. Today, our guests are Real Warriors campaign profilee, retired U.S. Army Major Ed Polito, who will share his story of seeking care for invisible wounds and the tools and resources that have helped him the most. Joining Major Polito will be Ken McGarrigal from the VA Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom Outreach Team to discuss the resources and benefits available for veterans. Uh, we are pleased to have you both on the line today. A note to the bloggers or, and journalists on the line today, please remember to clearly state your name and organization in advance of your question. Please respect our guest, guest time, keeping questions succinct and to the point. And if you are not asking a question, we ask that you ple please place your phone on mute. Uh, with that, uh, Major Polito and then also Mr. McGarrigal, if you have any opening statements, the floor is yours. Okay, I can start. This is Major Ed Polito. Uh, my father once told me that when you take the oath of office to defend the greatest nation in the world, uh, for me it was about God, country, family, and all of those that serve in the armed forces of the United States of America. And it is with that spirit that on August 17th of 2004, I would hit an improvised explosive device, a roadside bomb, that would change my life forever. Uh, the fragments that hit my knee and broke it in three places, fragments to the left side of my body, I was in the city of Bakuba, Iraq. Ironically, on that day, the men and women in uniform took care of me, rendered aid, and would put me on a helicopter 45 minutes after I'd been hit by this roadside bomb. I would end up at um, Baghdad, and from Baghdad I would go to Germany, Germany, Walter Reed, Walter Reed Brook Army Medical Center, for a total of about 17 surgeries during that time frame. I'd have E. coli, Antitobacter II staph infections, and I would deal with the physical wounds of war. And it wasn't until my left leg was amputated on October 1st of 04 that the mental wounds of war would sink in. You see, it was at that time where I'd been dealing with the physical side of, of the wounds, and now mentally I was in a place that I was alone. I felt that the support system was there for me, but certainly I was dealing with the grieving of my lost left limb. And through that process, I was able to get and seek help, but... Unfortunately, during a period of time, I had suicidal ideation. I experienced um, the night sweats, the night terrors, and on October 2nd, uh, just you know, hours and days after that amputation and going through that whole process, I felt that maybe I just didn't want to live anymore. As hard as it was to say that at the time to myself, I knew that that wasn't the answer, and I would be on my road to recovery. From there, I would uh, get connected. Uh, years later to the Real Warriors campaign, learning about the tools and the resources that would render recovery for me and my family. We would seek out counseling. We would understand not only living with post-traumatic stress, but also a traumatic brain injury, which was diagnosed in 2008. And so for me, my road to recovery has been great. I am living a great life and prosperous life. I work. I, I'm involved in many other activities. And certainly, I couldn't have done it without the American people, uh, the counseling that I've received, and then learning as a wounded service member and disabled veteran that I needed to learn about the mental health aspect of living life today. And so with that, I thank the Real Warriors campaign for their outstanding support, 
and certainly we want to get the word out to let everyone know that we're not going to leave them behind on the field of battle, and we're going to take care of them and their families on the home front. That's my opening statement. Thank you, sir. And Mr. McGarrigal? Well, I can't really top that, but uh, let me just say uh, I was also in Iraq 2003-2004, uh, and when I came back, I joined a outreach office to uh, try and get more people signed up for VA health care and also to get them involved with counseling at the VA. Uh, Real Warriors has been a uh, good friend to this office um, through their uh, social media, which I also do, and uh, providing resources um, to take care of the vets, and whether that's through the their outreach center, their 24/7 outreach center, or uh, other outlets that they use. And uh, with that, I'll give it back to uh, the call. Thank you, sir. Claudette, you were first on the line, and you can go ahead with your question. Hi, um, my name is Claudette. I'm from American Forces Press Service, and my question is for Major Polito. Um, I was wondering if you could briefly describe the role that your family played in your recovery. That's a great question. My uh, family was not well versed in, in mental health uh, wellness. Uh, certainly, that's the role that they've played to this point. Um, one of the things that happened is that they were very tired after going through all of the problematic issues I had to deal with, whether I was keeping my leg, whether I was going to lose it. And certainly um, it wasn't until uh, later, uh, several years later, that we would all seek out um, counseling on a full scale, not only to talk about the grieving process, but also about how we would go on with our lives and, of course, how we would educate our, our, our young girl at the time who was four years old and was asking questions. And certainly... For my family, they had to deal with those the night sweats and the night terrors and, and just the, the hypervigilance of my behavior. And it wasn't in, an, in anything negative, but just to cite an example, you know, maybe driving too close to the, to the middle lines, um, as we did in Iraq, or being in places where I would have to know and see the door and, and not have my back turned. Um, in certain situations, um, dealing with a little bit of how I would uh, cope with the social aspect of, of being in social places and, and just learning how to walk and go into Disney World and just, you know, knowing that I just probably couldn't give it all my all, but I try, you know. And, and so it was living adaptively, not only physically, but mentally. And thus, what you have is you have to get counseling, you have to seek help, and certainly. Uh, you have to have a support system. And I think the greatest gift I received from that support system was that uh, we started a group of service members. Uh, actually, it was uh, supported by the VA. And service members from the Iraq and Afghanistan conflict were able to get together fellowship once a month. And certainly, it was a time where we could just talk about things that we were dealing with and maybe ways to cope and, and adapt to the situations at hand. So your family does play a role. I'm just glad that there's services in place and the VA and the Department of Defense have recognized that families need to be connected and need to be part of the unit and certainly need to be a part of the recovery process and in learning about these tools and resources. And I think that's why the Real Warriors campaign is very important because it's your one-stop shop for services. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dale, you are next. Uh, good morning, Major. Um, my question from Dale Kissinger at MilitaryAvenue.com um, is concerning 
what changes you've seen. Um, I do believe I participated in a roundtable back in 2011 or 2010 with you, and we talked about um, peer support and, and how the units were critical to the mental health. Um, has there been any changes that you've seen that have helped the veterans uh, at this current date? I've seen a lot of changes. Certainly, I think that um, there are um, a great deal of the command. Uh, a lot of the commanders now are are actually doing a checklist of of what is available out there, uh, what the outlets are, uh, creating a, a a prevention system for suicide in some regard uh, that um, is not what I have seen in the past. And certainly, there's a lot more emphasis in not just doing the PowerPoint and yeah, this is part of training, but that, that the training is real. Um, on the other hand, you know what, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because that's not how I operate. But certainly I, I see that there are still some commanders out there that um, don't see, um, they understand the value of what we've gone through, but in certain cases uh, they may look at it as, a, as, as something that um, may not be that warrior spirit, and, and I don't like to talk about it in that regard, but certainly um, having us come out and talk about our experiences and being a part of the system and doing that peer-to-peer support, as you indicated, is, is truly important. But I think at times I think commanders are reluctant to, to bring people out just because of the fact that maybe an individual may say something that may deter someone from deploying. And at the end of the day, it's about taking care of our servicemen and women and providing what I call – uh, holistic wellness, and, and not in the medication side of the house, but all. But I, what I mean is getting people together and the, and the whole community rallying. Because when you deploy, it's it's about making sure that you take the oath of office and you defend the greatest nation in the world. And I think that that patriotic spirit's the way that it needs to be handled. And finally, just one last thing that I think is very positive, and that is that. Um, through, the, through Department of Defense and the VA, the services have improved, whether they're homelessness services to connecting the dots with case management and then also just raising awareness. Um, I think that what I'd like to see in the future, and, and maybe you all could help, is that we could certainly do more of a national campaign to raise awareness about how businesses and employers and certainly civic groups and others can get and rally around our men and women in uniform. I know that's a lot, but I just needed to say all of that. <laughs> Thank you. Well said, sir. Okay. Uh, John McCandless, you're next. Hi, it's uh, John McCandless from the Navy Memorial uh, uh, blog. Um, the question for our guests from the Veterans Administration, how do, uh, how do people get in touch with the Real Warriors? And uh, more importantly, how do you reach out to veterans? Certainly we know served in theater. Uh, whether they're still serving in uniform or now out of uniform. Uh, is there a direct link? Uh, is there an email list? Are, are, are most of our veterans aware of this program? Uh, this is Ken. Um, yeah, for the Department of Veterans Affairs, um, the outreach has become a lot better since 2008. We, we try and reach more veterans through various DOD and VA programs such as Yellow Ribbon Program, the Post-Deployment Health Reassessment, uh, VA, every medical center has a welcome home for OEF, OAF veterans and all veterans. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, we could always improve. It, it's, it's gotten better for the uh, 
as a veteran myself, it, it's it's a challenge because um, right now we we try and sign up veterans when they return from theater, from combat, and the success rate there has been great for the National Guard and Reserve. And once you get them signed up, I think you can do then you can do outreach to them, but you have to sign them up first. And Real Warriors has been a real help there for myself, getting the word out. Uh, a lot of the web pages and campaign messages, if you will, are the same that we would send out. It's kind of a one-person operation here in social media. But uh, to reiterate what the major said, yeah, if we could, uh, we, we want to have successful care, positive outcomes, and that's going to take place if there's early intervention, as Real Warriors points out. Kind of a roundabout answer there. Right. A question, uh, is there a main website uh, on the VA site for Real Warriors? Or? For, well, we have, and it's, it's two separate organizations. It's DOD okay. and VA. Um, I mean, we retweet them, and they retweet us, and that type, and... Uh, Try and get the message out that way. Yeah, my question is, if somebody's reading one of our reports, uh, where do we direct them to so that they can find out more information? For, uh, well... For the Real Warrior program. Oh, for the Real Warriors. That would be realwarriors.net. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Uh Thank you very much. And uh, Judy, you are next. Did you have a question? Hi, I'm Judy Davis. Um, I write for the Direction Diva blog. And I am just curious, you spoke about um, ensuring that family members um, sink out treatment and support to be able to deal with the residual effects of trauma, such as what you had. And can you address some of the issues that I'm seeing out in the field today of dependent family members having difficulty accessing treatment, especially through TRICARE, for depression or residual PTSD when they're not close to an installation and how we can make sure to connect them with the resources that they need. And that's for me, Major Ed Polito, is that correct? Right, right. Yes. I I think you've actually hit on something that I think is from a strengths and weaknesses point of view certainly we can improve on. The thing about it is that there are services in place close to the installations. On the other hand, when you have National Guard and Reserve component service members, uh, certainly it becomes a community issue. And, cer- and in Oklahoma, um, what we have done, and this is just an example of how that outreach and connection can work, is that I was actually put on by the governor to sit on the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services Board, which is the state board that over oversees and governs um, basically everything in the mental health sector. And the great thing about that is that there was an educational process that occurs, not only for me, but for the participants and or board members that are on that board to say, here are some services that need to be uh, taken or put in place in these various communities, because right now we're missing that boat on on where we can uh, infuse services for our veterans. And, And what we're finding is that in the rural areas, We've been able to work here in Oklahoma on getting uh, community mental health centers and private citizens that uh, deal with mental health and substance abuse services to jump on board, create uh, governing boards, and certainly we have one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have one now in Oklahoma City and in Lawton, and those are the strategic places. 
And so for us, it's creating some infrastructure, creating um, a, a meeting space, uh, utilizing the United Ways, utilizing the 211 health lines uh, to, to sort of have what I, we call a safety net of, of various groups that can address these issues and have resources in place. And because I've worked with the 211 group, uh, and 211, of course, is the information referral hotline. It's kind of similar to what we have with Military One Source. We were able to get them to the table, and they were able to let our, our people know in the veteran space about the, the hotline that they have for suicide, et cetera. In that way, the families were able to access those services as well, thus not utilizing uh, some of the TRICARE supports that may be out there. So that was a way and an intervention to take care of those families, and I know that's a long answer, but I needed to kind of set up the infrastructure because it would be great to kind of look at the best practices all over the country and for maybe the Real Warriors campaign to, to maybe ask those questions uh, in the future as a next step of what are you doing in your states and, and how can you collaborate better to support services. Just an thank idea. You, yeah. Did you get that, Judy? Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Michelle, you were next. Hi, this is Michelle Call from Military Matters. My question is for our VA representative. With respect to the OIF, OEF, OND format that the Department of VA has set up, working with Real Warriors Campaign and the Defense Centers of Excellence, how do you reach the individuals who actually come to those VA facilities? Do you, do you only rely on those who come into the VA facilities, or do you utilize the community resources as well to reach the vets who have not signed up? Because they must sign up for VA services. How do you how do you bridge that gap? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, for the in the past it was pretty much you waited for them to come and uh, nowadays it's more you sign them up through uh, it's called the 1010 easy the VHA healthcare form and it's done when they demob they come back from combat and that is sent to the local VA and from there they they do the outreach say why don't you come in get a get an appointment um, through the various DOD programs, a PDHRA, if there are, if they see something that needs to be taken care of there where the VA works with the DOD, they can get a referral to the VA um, or if they're still on active, if they're still in that six-month TRICARE window, they could have a, the, the referral to um, TRICARE. But yes, uh, the VA needs to do more in my opinion, uh, reaching out to local communities. Um, uh, speaking as a veteran, um, how that veteran ends up getting the care, I, I don't really care who gets the credit. I just like to see it happen. And whether it's Real Warriors or uh, through the bloggers or um, any other DOD, whoever ends up doing it, I think that's ultimately what we're looking for or what I'm looking for here for the veteran. Sure. Which locate which uh VISN are you located nearby or that you participate with? Uh I'm in uh, Washington DC, so I go to the VA Medical Center in DC. Okay. I, I I know they've done some tremendous work. There's 
contrary to many years of, of disdain for the VA, the VA has wonderful programs today, and they all need to sign up, whether they're OIF, OAF, or prior veterans. I, I agree, and also to kind of dovetail what the major is talking about, within the VA there are a program called Vet Centers for Combat Vets, which uh, it's open to any combat veteran for counseling. Families can also utilize that, and um, if you're through the severely injured, I'm not sure the program was in place when the major came back, but it's called the Caregivers Program, which uh, is designed to help the severely injured when they come back. But Our vet centers are my you. best friends. <laughs> oh, glad to, glad to hear that. <laughs> Thanks very much, sir. And uh, somebody else joined the line. Has, has there been anybody who's joined who has not uh, had the chance to ask a question that would like to? Okay. Well, then we will go back around. Claudette, did you have a follow-up question? No, I don't. Thank you. Okay. Dale? Yes, sir. Um, could we have a, a more uh, in-depth description of care, the caregivers program that's given from the VA for family members? Oh, well, um, there is a website. If you Google veterans uh, caregivers, I guess that would be the best way to do it. Um, it it's... Um, was set up, I'm not sure how many years ago, but uh, it is, let's see if I can bring it up here. It's uh, caregiver.va.gov, and they also have a support line, one 260 3274 and the website's I think pretty complete. It can give you information on uh, how to apply and uh, advice for caregivers. Um, it's just for the, right now, the OEF, OEF population. Is that helpful or that answer your question? Yep. Oh, no, that's great. Um, I was just wondering what kind of services it provides to the families. What uh, is there counseling available on that site from the VA for family members? Uh, on the the site itself, you could call the uh, the eight five five number. Um, it it kind of goes into it the, the site itself. I'm not part of that uh, organization, but uh, they they have uh, support groups and the um, focus groups on, on improving the program. It's it's pretty new, so it's. But so far, I'm, as far as I've heard, it's going uh, well. And it's got a toolbox for if you're new to caregiving, uh, you know, your tips and checklists. Because generally, if you're a caregiver, it's many times a family member who is kind of thrust into that job, if you will. And rather than you know, learn it all, this way they can talk to other caregivers and support groups and the rest. Okay. Thank you very much. And, John, did you have a follow-up? John, you still there? Okay. Sorry, you had to unmute. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, quick uh, follow-up. Uh, I need to know Ken's title. And also I'm, I'm curious uh, about uh, Ed's uh, uh, civilian activities now, uh, in addition to being, of course, an advocate for this program. So, Ken's title? 
Oh, uh, just a program manager for um, OEFOAF Outreach. Thank you. And then I um, work for the Folds of Honor Foundation, which is a veterans charity which provides the spouses and children of the fallen and wounded educational scholarships. I have been there uh, practically from day one. I'm what they call the co-founder, and certainly I have uh, a great job that I, I honor and provide support to our military families. On the other hand, I also started a veterans, another veterans charity locally here in the state of Oklahoma, and now it's kind of gone viral to several other states. Um, it's called Warriors for Freedom, and Warriors for Freedom provides mental, physical, and holistic wellness support to our nation's heroes and their families. Uh, certainly what we do is we connect uh, the families and also our, our service members with activities that they can do jointly, which means uh, not only bowling, fishing, but also hunting and doing other things uh, as a family unit, and that is kind of our focus. And then I also have a book coming out uh, in 2014 called Warrior for Freedom, a Challenge, Triumph, and Change, and it's my personal story of what happened to me and uh, what I experienced. And there will be a mental health focus in the book, um, as that is one of the um, areas of, that I will be looking at as a, as a way to educate the general public on the needs of our heroes and their families. Thank you, and thank you for your continued service. Thank you. That means a great deal. And Judy, did you have a follow-up? Yes, I did. Um, Major Pleo, you spoke about the different um, community issues and things that you guys are doing in Oklahoma. What would you recommend that we do um, out here in the grassroots to support your efforts to create that infrastructure within um, the civilian community, especially for, I, I immediately think of our college-age students that are away from bases, away from family, that might have residual PTSD issues and depression, as well as um, veteran dependents and their families. So what would you recommend how we could support your efforts to kind of get that community outreach going? Well, that's a great question. The first thing that I tell people is that um, you have to connect with your State Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services and let them know that they ought to have an agenda item uh, in their state regarding uh, supporting veterans and mental health issues. And I think that that's very important. That's what we did here. The second thing we did is, of course, we worked very closely with the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, uh, closely with the governor's office in creating agenda items and also goals and objectives that um, the whole state can rally around. Uh, we also connected and did um, some events with businesses. Uh, not only were they doing employer-based activities, but they also had me come out and speak about mental health and, and wellness uh, within their um, space and in their, uh, you know, as an employer and what they can do to support our men and women in uniform. You brought up uh, colleges. Uh, that's a great um, avenue of approach because what we've ended up doing here in the state of Oklahoma, and in fact, we've got a, a, a meeting with all of the uh, all of the schools here uh, in the next month. Um, but uh, through the University of Oklahoma, they were able to bring everyone together to create um, a, a a listening. Um, uh, it, it kind of like a, a town hall kind of atmosphere, listening, hearing, where um, service members can tell their story and then the schools can actually implement some strategies to support them. Uh, one strategy that has been very effective is that they've created 
veterans resource centers um, at the at the colleges, and I know everyone's doing it across the country, but that's just a way to bring respite, bring connection, um, and um, and certainly bring out collaboration. And then also because of the Secretary of Veterans Affairs um, and and her hard work and due diligence, because she thinks outside the box. Um, we were able to get, um, we actually did a speakers bureau where we went to various schools across the state and actually talked about these strategies. And so if you ever need me to come out and speak, um, certainly just pay my expenses. I'll come out and tell the story because I think the Real Warriors campaign can be a catalyst for change and movement. Thanks very much, sir. And Michelle, did you have a follow-up? I just wanted to ask Ed, knowing the great efforts that have been made in Oklahoma, how can we connect with you directly um, outside of this to bring that into our states? I know what you just reiterated, which is extremely important. It's not the easiest thing for many people to really reach their state Department of Veteran Affairs to have that community outreach on a larger conversation is there a way like you mentioned about paying your expenses i'd like to talk to you about that but bringing that into the states who don't know who to to initially contact in their own hometown where they need to begin yes and i could certainly um i can we can provide my phone number and contact information after this call i think the best thing is is that in order to raise awareness you have to get in front of people and, and tell the story and then secondly have a panel discussion on what the strategies and next steps are and in creating that that's how we were able to do it i i don't know any other way to do it but certainly bringing in um, a local united way or a state-based united way um, has been a strategy that we've used um, also bringing uh, as i said the secretary of veterans affairs into the picture and and having those meetings and or having a conference call and and kind of cr- basically just kind of um, tailing on something that maybe is already existing and maybe bringing uh, some awareness to it and possibly, as I speak across the country, I could tell you that that to me has been something that has been very impactful. We're doing something big now in Dallas, Texas with some folks because we started a chapter through the Folds of Honor Foundation. Well, now they want to do stuff with these cottages with uh, at lakes with respite to provide mental health support at these lakes. And, um, and it's, it's a project with the Corps of Engineers. So there's just all these strategies. But the thing about it is you've got to get in front of people and tell the story. And it's the only way you can do it is you can have a – like we're doing today, you have a professional and you have a service member that can talk about the issues. You need the individuals to where who can speak the reality of what they've experienced with that local community. And Correct. the community needs to accept that. Correct. Well, thank you very much, sir, and uh, thank you to all of our bloggers on the line and to our journalists on the line. Uh, Major Polito, I'm going to go to you first. Did you have any closing statements you'd like to make? Well, I just want to thank the Real Warriors campaign for making this call available and also the, the Department of Defense and the VA for stepping up to the plate and understanding that we've got to uh, make sure that we take care of our men and women in uniform and their families. And I think that what, the folks that are on the call today – uh, really care about us. Um, for that, I want to thank you on this on this week of, of being thankful. But certainly, I couldn't have done it without your support and without your awareness. And please go to the Real Warriors campaign and 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 have people call the hotline eight six six nine six six 
1020 or realwarriors.net. They can view the profiles, the PSAs, the articles, the message boards, the materials. Um, and please spread the word. And certainly if you ever need an, an interview or someone to talk to about what's going on in this arena, I'm certainly there and available. And the Real Warriors campaign staff can can let you know who I am and what I'm all about. And again, thank you. And on behalf of all of those that serve, uh, we appreciate your endless support on behalf of this grateful nation. Thank you, Major Polito. And uh, Mr. McGarrigal, did you have a closing statement? I'll uh, just say ditto. And uh, yes, uh, thanks to uh, Real Warriors for uh, this call and for all the work they do uh, on behalf of um, the folks who come back from combat and their families. And uh, yes, uh, if, if there is trouble uh, in your life, uh, Please get a hold of someone, either whether it's the Real Warriors Outreach Center or the VA Suicide Hotline or just, you know, the Vet Center or the, someone, you, your, your old military buddies. But uh, thank you again to Real Warriors for um, this call. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you again to everybody on the line and especially our speakers today and our uh, bloggers and journalists. Great questions and comments today. Uh, as I wrap this up, I'd like to let you know that there will be a print transcript online uh, within the next 24 hours from this call, along with an MP3 of this call. Uh, that will be on the line, online at dodlive.mil. Uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for being on the line. This concludes today's event. Feel free to disconnect at this time.